So the uh, the bowl season is is quickly upon us, and I, I had to laugh. Uh, USA Today's for the win posted yesterday a running list of college football players skipping bowl games. Oh god! And had a list of a bunch of prominent players that were not going to play in in the, the the bowl games, which I get it. If I'm if I'm a player that's preparing for the draft, I don't have a problem with it. Uh-huh. It's not your obligation to to play in these games anymore. Right. Get yourself ready for the draft. Don't take a, you know, no one's going to be there for you if you get injured in this bowl game and your your, uh, draft stock goes, right, right. So go ahead and do it. But also got me thinking, like, we're beholden to these bowl games. College can't stop tripping over themselves to, to acquiesce to bowl games. Right. And yet we have a huge list of players that aren't playing in these bowl games. Didn't you say it's like up to a thousand that aren't playing? Oh, no, that was the the transfer portal. portal. That's the portal. Yeah, it's got a bunch of people in it. Yeah, we're we're beholden to bowl games or bowl games, I should say. Um, And the players aren't even beholden to these bowl games that are supposed to be so meaningful. Why are we doing this? Right. Why? You answer the question. I don't know. I'm not familiar. And my team doesn't go to a lot of bowl games, right? Um, but like sometimes I think it's good. I think it's good for Kansas to go to bowl games yeah, this year. I think sure. it's, it's great yeah. for them. Great for Missouri to go um, to a bowl game. There's this a year. whole bunch of them. They'll go, do we really need, do you really like certain seasons? You'd be like, is it really beneficial? Right. You're just taking like a money grab. And, and I and think going and doing these things and then college football, you know, that still slays me that, oh, they had to wait for the Rose bowl to decide whether or not they could expand the playoff. Right. Why are Why? we beholden to a bowl game? Who the hell are you? Like, Why? you're the Russell Wilson of, like, bowl games. Like, get out of the way, man. Like, nobody wants you around. And then it also got me thinking, when we're doing all these things then why not put compelling bowl games together? Sure, like Kansas and Missouri. Well, we know why, because Missouri chickened out. Right. It's it's It doesn't feel smart on their part. What are they going to get out of the Wake Forest game? Nothing. You get the extra practice time, and that's about it. Maybe with – but they're not even a new regime at Mizzou anymore, right? You're going to get out of a Wake Forest game uh, a, a line on your website that says you went to a bowl game. Yeah, great. And the players are going to get, like, a PlayStation and call it a day. But what, what is that game? provide a compelling matchup for your fans. Right. And that's what you need to do. The good news is we're getting out of this in the next couple of years once the playoff expands. And Brett McMurphy, who's, like, all ears when it comes to like college my, Like sports, my team, for instance, Iowa. They don't need to go to a bowl game this year. They're literally going to start a a quarterback in mm-hmm. the bowl game who's never taken a snap in college. What's wrong with that? <laughs> in a bowl game at the end of a year, right? Well, that's the beginning of next year. Really, is how you have to look well, that's, at that's, it. That's how the, that's how you're spinning it. But is that how the Iowa's? I'm, I'm, well, have no, they spun I, I it suppose. that way? So you're one of We're our getting two, a jump start on one next of our year. two freshmen. They're going to yeah. battle it out to see who's the starting quarterback. They're like, well, that's not a reward for a season. No, it's not a meaningful. It's just a it's just a glorified exhibition game. That's right. Like these are these are dumb. I agree. I agree. That's why we're expanding this thing to twelve teams. And what I saw yesterday from Brett McMurphy that I really like, and he deleted this tweet. So I, I wonder why. But he said he talked to the AAC commissioner and the Big Ten commissioner, mm-hmm. and both of them suggested that the first two rounds of the playoffs could be on campus sites. They got and, my plan, and, and and they said they don't see any problem. With doing that and They'd holding games on campus sites and that they would be in favor of that. And I saw that yesterday. I'm like, all right, now we're really talking. Now now only are we are we going to expand to the 12 teams and get more teams in the postseason. But having the first two rounds on campus sites, now you're really now adding fun. something intriguing in, yep. in, into the mix. And now it gives you an opportunity 
to bring more fans into the fold and have that home field advantage and give it more of a feel of what we experience in the in the NFL. But for so long, these bowls have kind of controlled everything. And in college sports, so much has changed over the last 12 years, let's just say when conference realignment started, that I think the bowl games, for the most part, should go away of the dodo bird and become extinct, and we should revamp everything. And you set up your playoff and... And in my opinion, what I would like to do is, is there's so many just bowl games that clutter the environment. You, you set up your, your, your playoff system with your 12 teams, and then maybe you take the next, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 teams, whatever it is that you want that didn't make the playoffs, and then send them to a couple of bowl games. We just don't need as many of these postseason games that are out there because when you do have them, the great players aren't even playing. Yeah, that's that's the slang part. But yes, I would love if they got my plan for the uh, for the playoff was to play the first two the first two rounds on campus sites. Currently, they're set up, and and I think the tweet again, which was deleted, also said that as soon as they could do it, it was twenty twenty six. Yeah, twenty five or six. Whatever. It wasn't going to be right away. It wasn't going to be yeah. right away. But my plan was you have uh, a one, two, three, and four get first round buys. Mm-hmm. You you battle, uh, you know. Uh, five through 12, they play their four games on campus sites and then they move on to the top four seeds and they play that game on a campus site as well. Yeah. Not a bowl, which is what they're talking about doing. And then moving on from there and having neutral sites and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I want to play all, I want to play as many of these on campus as possible. I do too. And I think the first two rounds being on campus would be awesome. Could you imagine again, an eight, nine, eight, nine game plays on a campus and they go to Georgia and that's hey, campus on campus game yeah. in the playoffs. You Be- have because if you give the top four teams buys, right, and you don't have campus games in the second round, then the top four teams are getting screwed out of having a home game right. where everybody else had a right. home game. Yeah, they get a they get they get the buy, which is an advantage. Yes, but I want to give them home field advantage. Too. Absolutely, you do. I think that's fun. I think I think having those games with a lot on the line in somebody's home building would mean a lot more than playing at a neutral side. I think it'd be a lot of fun. And, and I think people would love it. I think they would get amazing crowds and the, and the fans would really love it too, because it's less money they have to invest of traveling all over the country to watch these games. And you truly do get a home field advantage. If you have that opportunity. Now, the thing about college football though, as you mentioned, they probably can't do this like 24, 25, 26, whenever all these bowl contracts start to run out. Right. College football has essentially been operating like Major League Baseball, where everybody's got all these side deals, and nobody's side deals end at the same time. So you got to find out when the last side deal is going to end before you can change anything. Kind of like what baseball is going through with their TV contracts right now. Everybody's got these side deals going on that end in 30 years and 15 years and five years and two years. You're like, oh, my God, we got to wait this long before we can streamline things. But at least in college sports, we know in a couple of years, this whole thing is going to be streamlined, and I think it's going to be a lot better. And I think college football, not that it's not popular right now because it is, but can be even more popular knowing you've got a system like that at the end of the year you're playing for. Judge and baseball spending, Baker and Vaughn, and much more. Ben Maller of Fox Sports Radio next. Listening to the home of what we learned with Billy Coons. Legend Ball, he's an expert on the city of St. Louis, but he says the people are rude and hateful and they suck. Fridays at 9.50 on Fesco in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio. California, California. 
Time for our weekly chat with Ben Maller of Fox Sports Radio. Of course, you can hear him overnights right here on 610 Sports Radio. Oh, my goodness. A lot to talk about with Ben today because there's a ton going on in the sports world, Ben. And we'll just start it with the Aaron Judge story that happened yesterday. Arson Judge, Aaron Judge, your thoughts on the Yankees getting the big guy back. Well, I love the story. I, I, I love that he went back to the Yankees. I, I really don't care. I'm, I'm a Dodger fan. You say, well, I don't want to go to the Giants. But w- when that tweet went out from John Heyman, when he said arson, I said that he can't go to the Giants. He's got to he's got to go back to the Yankees. And so it's it's great. He played it wonderfully. I, I give Aaron Judge all the credit. He had the, the great year on the field. But even this whole process. He got a $360 million offer from the Giants. He then went back to the Yankees, and the Yankees are like, we we, we got to get that star fire going and all that. And so they, they brought him back. They matched the offer, and and he's he's got all the advertising from Madison Avenue. So he's going to make up even more money in advertising. But it is interesting to note, uh, and, and I don't think we should have a bake sale for Aaron Judge, but I saw, I read somewhere the numbers on how much money he's actually going to clear. Did you guys see this? This is crazy. So $360 million. Judge is going to have to pay a 37% federal tax rate. He's got to pay his agent. He's got to pay a New York state tax, New York City tax. And you add it all up, by the time he's done, how much do you, did you see how much he's going to get? How much do you think he's going to get? Half, not even. He's going to end up, out of $360 million, he's going to end up with around $150, 145000000 million. Wow. $360 million. Now, he's still going to be fine, but that's how much his, his actual net income is going to be because the federal tax rate is 37%. So the big winner in this is us, right? The, the federal government, the you know, government of the people. This is a great day for America. The, the American people, the, our, our politicians just collected $130-something million. That's a great day. Does that even count the taxes that he has to pay in every other city when he goes there for three days? Like when he comes to Kansas City, there's a 1% earnings tax that you have to pay when you work in the city. That doesn't include that either, does it? Yeah, well, it actually does. It it, it is estimated, and all of this is an estimation, but the estimation is $10 million in other, as you said, going to Kansas City, going to L.A., wherever the the Yankees play. So roughly $10 million, which seems like a bargain compared to 130 something million to the federal government. So, these are these are first world problems. I think Aaron will be okay. I think he'll yeah, be but, all right. but essentially he signs a 360 million dollar deal or whatever is and in his pocket he'll have a third of that money. Yes, yes. And and this always comes up when these big contracts happen because if he had signed with a team in Florida or Texas or a more tax friendly location, like he was pretty much messed up either way. California is the same as New York. But if he'd gone to Florida or he still have to pay the federal tax, and I'm no tax expert by the way. If you've seen my taxes, I do not even. I'm talking out of my tuchus. But I've I've read these numbers here. But yeah, in Florida and Texas, he would have had a lot more money because the tax rate's much lower, and obviously there's they have certain taxes they don't have in New York and California, but. You know, he's he's got plenty of money. He, he'll be living in a penthouse in one of the big uh, mansions, uh, in one of the big towers in Manhattan. So he'll be fine. Spend wisely. The other team I'm fascinated with is San Diego. Every year they seem to spend a bunch of money. Where do they get it? One and two. Do they this time? Do they just hang a sign out and says, this is our deal. First one to take it gets it. Yeah. So the Padres remind me of we've all had this friend in college that you know, wanted to get a girlfriend and uh, you know girls weren't into him. So he just kept asking women out and eventually somebody would say, okay, I'll go out with you, like a pity date or something like that. Like 
Xander Bogarts is at least the third choice. To think that Aaron Judge and Trey Turner left 80, I think it was $82 million on the table. They could have gotten more from the Padres that they chose to go to the Phillies and the Yankees is a mind-boggling amount of money. But they're still, again, they're ridiculously rich and all that. But it's wild. When I I worked in San Diego radio when I started, and they would all they would complain about is the poverty, and they talked about the geography, and they can't afford to spend any money because you got the Pacific Ocean on one side, you got Mexico to the south, you've got the Dodgers to the north, you've got cactus in the desert, the other direction in Arizona. And so you can't spend this guy, Peter Sider is the owner, the guy that runs the Padres. He's part of the like O'Malley family. And he just doesn't care. Like he's just willing to spend money. And I've heard, I'm sure you guys have heard the same things I've heard that the other owners of the more frugal teams when they get ownership meetings, they don't like the Padres. They The Padres are making everyone else look bad that they're spending this money and they're not doing it the right way. And it's making a lot of other people around baseball uncomfortable. And I think it's great. I love it. I, I don't know how they're doing it, but I, I hope it continues. Blaming the Pacific Ocean and cactus, that's the ultimate baseball excuse. I mean, baseball uses some doozies. We've told the story. We had somebody tell us, uh, the former VP of communications for the Royals, that somebody would do an interview with us, but if it was raining, he wouldn't be able to do the interview. Like, we, we've had these baseball excuses. Blaming the Pacific Ocean and cactus, that's a new one for me. What does that factor in? Well, it's because you can't grow the market. Like San Diego is boxed in, you know, like, and and the Royals, you guys obviously have a lot more land you can play with. You can get people to drive in from other locations that are within reasonable driving distance of Kansas city where the Padres, like people in LA will come down when the Dodgers come down, but they're Dodger fans or they're angel fans. And to the South is Mexico. So you've got to cultivate fan base there and, Maybe you can get some dolphins, some bottlenose dolphins in the Pacific Ocean to be the. That's their argument. I'm just telling you that. I'm not saying it's the right argument. I'm just telling you, Bob, that's what I heard back in the day in San Diego. And you go, if you go west of San Diego, it's pretty much all desert until you get to Arizona and there's more desert. And then you get to Phoenix and there's a city and then there's more desert. So there's not a lot of people there. Sure sounds like the Rams are going to play Baker Mayfield tonight. I think that's wonderful. I think this, they stink. They're unwatchable. At least there's a reason to watch. I'm a Ram fan. They they blow. They're terrible. They're, they're, they're so boring. Sean McVay, who I don't know what happened. I mean, he took stupid pills or what, but the Rams offense, it's like Jeff Fisher's back. Or they're back in St. Louis at the end when they were terrible. The last like 15 years they were in St. Louis. It's unwatchable. And hopefully uh, Baker Mayfield will be able to you know throw some sprinkles of excitement on the on the Rams offense because they have not had any excitement, and there's really no other reason to tune in unless you want to hear Al Michaels complain about something on the Amazon broadcast. Which is always fun to do, always fun. Now, you saw Von Miller firsthand last year make a difference for the Rams out there, help them win the Super Bowl. He's got this ACL injury. Now, what does that loss mean for Buffalo? It looked like McDermott was devastated yesterday. Yeah, I think this is big. This is a great day for the Chiefs. You're not supposed to enjoy schadenfreude when people get hurt, but – you know, you didn't you didn't will Von Miller to get hurt. He got hurt on his own. But this is a good day for the Chiefs, the Bengals, the other contenders in the AFC because the Chiefs, you look at their pressure rate, and Von Miller was leading the team in sacks. He was leading the team in quarterback pressures. And you, we all know, I mean, we watch football in the playoffs. You get a sack, that kills a drive. You end up having to punt the ball away. 
quarterback pressure. Most quarterbacks are not as good when they're getting pressured. That's just a fact of life. And we'll see. The Bills have a first-round pick they had from 2021. This guy who's going to replace Vaughn Miller, I don't know much about him. We'll see if he can step up. But just on the surface, the Bills are a worse team today than they were a couple days ago when we thought Vaughn was going to come back. And, I mean, we've seen these teams. Everything's pretty close in the AFC. There's not a lot of separation between the Bengals, Chiefs, and the Bills. So this does definitely, definitely hurt the Bills a, a lot. And I know people are downplaying it and all that. Well, I'm in a you got to prove this this guy's going to replace Von Miller can get the job done mode because Von's been great and I believe the Bills are in a lot of trouble now defensively. So who is this week's best team? Oh, well right now it's the Bengals, right? Cuz they beat the Chiefs and so that means they're the top team in football. That's that's easy. The Bengals they'll never lose again. Joe Burrow's going to win the MVP now he's going to zoom past Mahomes and everyone else and he'll be the MVP and and then I guess if well 49ers are this Seventh round pick plays well. Maybe it'll be back to the Niners this week, right? With Purdy against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Boy, what a one fun matchup that. I, I don't understand why people aren't more like going hmm to the San Francisco 49ers with Purdy. It's not like Shanahan is some, you know, genius or anything like that. He's not an Andy Reid or, or whatnot. Why are people making a bigger deal out of the fact that the 49ers lost Garoppolo? Well, I actually am in the camp. I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side of the aisle. Like, I don't think Garoppolo's all that good. I think his his secret sauce is that he's got confidence. The team's confident around him. But it's not like if you guys have seen when Mahomes gets hurt, it's like, oh, man, this guy's going to throw three or four touchdowns a game. Garoppolo throws like one touchdown. He has this great record when he throws no touchdowns. It's wild. Like, the theory is that you could put somebody in there, and Purdy looked pretty good against the Dolphins. The big test is what he does when teams actually prepare for him. That's obviously much different. I mean, the guy went to Iowa State, He's and now he's in, in the big leagues and all that, and he was a seventh-round pick. But I don't think that's big. As long as the guy doesn't, doesn't uh, you know, poop his pants, he's able to be, be confident enough, I think the 49ers should be all right. Because even with Garoppolo, they weren't going to win because of Garoppolo. They were going to win because of their defense and their running game. And you should still be able, if you can complete underneath passes, those dump-off passes to McCaffrey and the other skill players they have there, this should, it should be enough. They're going to be in low-scoring games and have to win with their defense, the 49ers. And we'll find out this weekend whether Purdy can get it done or not. But if he, as long as he's semi-competent, they should be okay. Ben, we appreciate the time as always. Enjoy the Rams and Baker Mayfield tonight, my man. Ah. No, I'm going to cover my eyes. Thanks, guys. Ben Maller, Fox Sports Radio with us here on 610 Sports Radio. The joys of being a Rams fan and watching Baker Mayfield, who I saw a comment this morning from Tom Pelissero on Twitter that said, Baker Mayfield received the game plan Tuesday night and is ready to go. All these years of this, oh, it takes years to learn an offense. Baker's had 48 hours. We'll see how, how he plays, but sure. Also, they remember the Rams pressed that dude into service to play the Chiefs. That's right. Yeah. You now, granted, he was in their system, but the guy guy had literally never played before. What happened to him? Where's did he he's get still hurt? there? Oh, he's no, still there. He's still there. I guess they're just like, yeah, he, yeah he's you're not, you're not he's playing not, anymore. He's not, he's not ready. All right, he's not ready. So yeah, if depending on Wofford's condition tonight, uh, isn't you're that a school that makes see, the tournament? Yeah, that's right. 
Uh, the Terriers. The Terriers, yeah. Um, <laughs> you might see Baker Mayfield, which is insane. Now, there's no might about it. you got to show Baker Mayfield. There's no other reason to watch this game tonight unless you put Baker Mayfield yeah. out there because, quite honestly, it's going to be like a car wreck. If Baker Mayfield's out there, going to be a lot of people wanting to see what's going on. Be thankful for Mahomes and not Russ. An unreal Russ story next. Fesco in the morning brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, Kansas City's home for car audio since 1967. You're 913-586-7610 on the uh, text line today. We'll talk to uh, Binkley coming up in just a few minutes. Our three quickies with Bink. Um, but we're also getting closer and closer to... Uh, the holidays here. Yeah, we are. And I was doing the math yesterday. We've got, counting today, 12 more shows before the end of the year for oh, you and I. So right? 12 we, days of... 12 days of Christmas, yeah, okay. right? So we've got 12 days leading up to what is going to be our last show of the year on December 23rd. And then, boom, we'll see you, you know, after the first of the year for the for the playoff run, right? Get to take some time off with the family, maybe... You dig a, a hole in the ground and put a pool in. If a company bonus comes in, I mm, don't know. Mm. Um, so I was thinking, like, we got 12 days to go until the end of the year for us, for the, for the 12 days of Christmas. I was trying to think, like, of something fun we could do every day for, like, the 12 days of Christmas and, and whatnot. And so I'm going to open it up to the text line, the J Southland Tow Service text line at 913-586-7610. And to you guys as well, for the first of the 12 days, what's the best Christmas gift you ever got? What was the best Christmas gift that you ever received, whether it was as a kid, whether it was as an adult, whether it was as, you know, uh, a senior citizen, whatever the case may be. What is the best Christmas gift you've ever received? B-Dub, I want to start with you because I'm sure you have gotten some good stuff over the years. The best one that I ever received was the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, which took up my whole room. It was a bed and the aircraft carrier. That was it. Greatest single thing I've ever gotten you know, uh, as far when I was a kid as a Christmas present. Best thing, huh? Loved it. I had to put everything on the, the aircraft carrier. The wrestling ring, all the wrestling action <laughs> figures. They all fit in the aircraft carrier. Uh, the He-Man, yeah. the, the Castle Grayskull, all that had to go on the aircraft carrier. There's no other room, in, uh, no other place to put it in my room. It was the bed, aircraft carrier, door to the hall. Yeah. I, I, it was I, great. I, I've got so many, like, nice gifts over the years. I've been very fortunate. Stan has always been pretty good to me uh, when I was a kid with all the He-Man stuff and the Star Wars stuff and all of that. And trying to narrow it down to, like, what was the best gift you've ever received? But the, one of the coolest things I think I ever received, and I'm such a dork, the 1989 Upper Deck box set, the entire set of that first year of Upper Deck cards that had Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie card in it as number one. I still have that thing wow. down in the basement. I don't know, man. Get, just getting that was pretty cool. I got some baseball cards over the years, like a Mickey Mantle card one year when I was a kid. That was cool. I remember those things. And... And, and whatnot. So stuff like that, like baseball cards, man, that that's where I rank. Give me all the baseball cards. Give me the box set every year. But the 89 upper deck one, man, that was premium real estate back in the day when you were a kid. That was an era where it was Fleer, Donruss, and upper deck, and you had to have yeah. the box set. You no did matter every what. year. Well, every tops, year. tops too. Oh I yeah, mean, tops was there as well. What but... was your first box set where you had all 792 cards? 
I think it would probably be a Fleer. It was Fleer, uh-huh. really? Do you ever have Opeachy, which was Fleer ba- or Dunruss, basically, in French? Mm, no. It was all was the French. Yeah, uh, no, it was, like, uh-huh. cooler to have because it was in French, Josh. Mm. So they made you try to find those cards. You could only buy them in Canada, I think, at the time. I never bought the boxes. You I never did? packs. See, 86, I would buy packs all year long, and then at the end of the year, I would always get, you know, a box set. 86 tops was my first box set of cards and i got them like every year after that for a very long time i got a red rider bb gun you once. did that shot my, my eye out. all right <laughs> no i didn't, I didn't. nice um one of the early got ones I, I do remember i you know i've been tormented with bad technology in my younger days right, right. And beta and what have you but there was one year i did get the atari that i thought was the greatest thing ever oh yeah now it wasn't of course it wasn't the atari atari Oh, it was the Sears Atari. Oh, you remember Sears oh, had their own the knockoff version. Yeah. Sears had their own it was version. Like Kenmore Atari, right? Of, yeah. of Atari, it was that one, but same thing. It worked fine. Worked fine, but it was oh. it was wasn't the Atari Atari. It was the, the Sears whatever the robot. whatever the Sears knockoff one was. Yeah, that's a good one. Somebody on the text line says, "As an adult, I got a decent vacuum from Dad last year. My mother just sent us that's a vacuum a good one. cleaner. Hey, that's good. It's fantastic. It's one no of one wants that, to yeah. buy their own vacuum. So that's, no, a good, that's a good gift. That is, that is a good gift. As an adult right now, like I, I, I'm not kidding. I just saw a pair of socks that are made from like alpaca, alpaca wool. Alpacas, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right? yeah. I, I get this email at least once a week, and I always forward it on to my wife. God, I hope those socks are under the tree this year. <laughs> she might actually get you an alpaca. Yeah, I, I've right. always wanted. Yeah. I want an the, alpaca. That'll yeah. be in the back, backyard, and then you'll carve it up for socks when it's ready. When it's all ready to go, <laughs> I'll take that. You know, you guys. I was uh, talking to Josh in the break. Sebastian Maniscalco has a new Christmas or a new uh, stand-up a new out, Christmas, right? right? New Christmas stand-up. Out. He, he, he was talking about a Christmas party his wife wanted to have, and she's like, "Well, can we get a live reindeer to walk around in the backyard?" He's like, "What?" A live reindeer? Why do you need a live reindeer? But I, I would like a llama or an emu or an alpaca in my backyard. I think that would be a lot of fun to have. But you know, one of my favorite Christmas gifts now, no lie, Oral-B brush heads for my electric toothbrush. Yeah, that's, good. that's good. That's good pickup for you. Yeah. That, that's a great gift. Yeah. Absolutely. Socks, no. underwear, cologne. My 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 wife does. She's a really good gift giver. So, but I got the griddle. You know, that's I'm a good one for Christmas. Yeah, well. that's a great they got one. me the griddle was pretty fantastic yeah. a couple years ago. That is um, Atari 2600 back in the day about jumped out of my skin. I'm with you. Yeah, I was right there with you. Um, the uh, <laughs> always a Madden every year too was a good gift. The uh, the 64 crayon with the with the uh, with the sharpener. sharpener. Oh yeah, if you had yeah. the sharpener, man, yeah. all the girls were coming up to your desk. Yeah. As a kid, the Nerf rocket launcher. Ooh. Was it the stomp? Was it the stomp one? Right. The Nerf had the stomp one where you stomped oh, on you the air. Oh, you stepped on it and it shot. Yeah, that never gun, worked, yeah. though. Yeah. Someone else says they got the lifetime membership to Jelly of the Month Club. Mm-hmm. The gift that keeps on giving. I don't believe you did. I don't either. Uh, Sega Genesis, original Nintendo. Those companies did a fantastic job, didn't they not? Those were always out around Christmas. Oh, God, yes. They still are, they right? They still are, yeah. And people fighting over the new systems that come out of Christmas. They're yeah. just yeah, they crazy. They put five of them out and say, have yeah, fun. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep weighing in at 913-586-7610. We'll get to the uh, the uh, the Russell story in our in our next segment. Right. I apologize for that because um, we need to uh, get to, uh, to to Binkley. Right. Um, Jay uh, nailed, by the way, the uh, the mock. The, for the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Got it. he, he said had a mock party yet. last night. Did you know that? Did I you did. get invited? I did not, no. Because I didn't, I didn't get invited either. No. 
Mm-mm. I thought for sure. I thought for sure Jay would be Jay inviting us to. to the mock party. The question is, what do you serve at a mock draft mm. party or, mm. or at a Rule Five draft party? That that's what it is. I yeah. don't. I don't know. Are there dry <laughs> snacks? Well, you can ask him, what do you serve? That's not one of our questions. It's not one of our three questions, Bank. But what do you serve at a, at a Rule 5 draft party? Oh, man. you got to switch it up from football. If you're going baseball, it's got to be more of a hot dogs, mini hot dogs. Um, got to have some popcorn, things like that. Just a different watch party than football. Stadium Football food. is more of your, yeah. Yeah, more of your wings, nachos, that type of thing. Baseball, you got to go just a little bit lighter. Um, sorry. Um, have you ever, um, uh, got the mock right for the rule five? Usually, um, <laughs> usually. The, only part that I, usually the only part that I really struggle on is how many teams are going to pass. Like yesterday, there was only 15 selections. So the rest of the league passed. And then around two, everybody passed. So they stopped the draft, uh, after round two. So you never know how many rounds it's going to be. Um, but a lot of selections weren't made. The Royals, for example, passed at number five. So uh, a lot of passes in this draft. I guess yeah. If you're going, if you're going to predict the mock, you could go for pass and do pretty yeah, well. Yeah, a lot of passes. That's true. Yeah. Bakley hosts, of course, the Arrowhead Pride post game show following each and every Chiefs game here on six ten Sports Radio. Uh, any chance there's a hiccup this week for the Chiefs? You know what? I don't see it. I, I, I like this game a lot because. It's about testing this offense for this for going forward. This is a very good defense. And the Chiefs have had some success against the best defenses in the NFL. Matter of fact, out of the top five scoring defenses this year, they waxed the 49ers. Uh, you know, they've beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here's another chance of the top five scoring uh, defense um, in um, the, the Broncos that give up the second fewest points in the NFL at 17. Um just behind uh, the San Francisco 49ers. So there's another good chance. So as bad as this offense is in Denver, um, I like their defense. I don't think it holds back the Chiefs in this game. They just can't score points. As long as the Chiefs score more than 10 points, they win this game. (laughs) Jay, when I look at this situation in Denver, I think, man, you've got to get away from Russell Wilson. Is there any way that the Broncos would do that? Or do they just have to eat this salary right now? I guess just, well, you're going to have to eat it. I know they want to get away from this. Unfortunately, Seattle's got that draft pick of theirs uh, that would have been really beneficial getting the quarterback, and they probably should have tried to withstand this uh, one more year. But, I mean, who really saw this Russell Wilson fall off? I mean, I don't – in professional sports, it's hard to imagine somebody as good as Russell was and then how bad he gets the next year. But it's going to set him back for a while. I mean, they made a bad decision at quarterback. They made a bad decision – at head coach Denver, a proud franchise really screwed themselves, but they're going to have to eat it. I, I don't know how they're going to get away from it. And unfortunately, you know, for them, uh, Seattle has their draft picks. They could have been great draft capital for a quarterback, but I doubt they can make another move to go grab somebody else. So they can find the same fate as Russell Wilson and three bank, which other slang term for weed. Do you like the best? Ah, <laughs> uh, pocket Lolo. The hooch, ganja, uh, the wacky weed, those kind of terms probably would be the best that I would I use my repertoire. Yeah. 
Very good. Jay, enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll talk to you again okay. next week. All right, fellas. We'll talk to you soon. I thought for sure he was a grass guy. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. The wacky he went with, yeah, though. I like yeah, that. I do like that. I do like that. That was good. Yeah. Was good. I, I thought for sure. All right. We need to get to this uh, this Russ story. Our buddy Brandon Cristal, KOA in Denver, uh, when discussing the Broncos with us earlier today, uh, uh, dropped a, a nugget about Russ, and we can tell you why he's not a leader. Next. Fesco in the morning. Uh. <laughs> Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You say you a gangster, but you never nothing. You say you a gangster, and you need to stop running. You go to the dealership, but you never cop nothing. You been hustling a long time, and you ain't got nothing. You say you a gangster, but you never. All right, so we went to uh, to Denver, talked to uh, our buddy Brandon Kristoff, KOA in Denver, earlier in the show. And, Who, by uh, the way, is usually everything's beautiful in Bronco country guy, right? This was the first time where I ever really heard him go, oh, God. He's usually, yeah, right glasses more full guy. Yeah, absolutely, than, than yeah. This is, a, this is a mess. But um, when discussing Russell Wilson, he said that uh, a big problem with Russell Wilson, he's not one of the guys. Makes a big difference, man. That he does his own thing, and when you do your own thing and it doesn't work, well, then questions arise. Then everybody right? starts making. If you're if you're nine and three and you're doing your own thing, nobody cares, right? And so so Denver kind of acquiesced to to Russell and his, I guess, entourage. You can't let Russ have too much power. I think they've already kind of made that mistake unintentionally. It's not that they let Russ have too much power; they just let him kind of operate the way he wants, and and it's become an issue because of where they are record wise that he has his own office, right? Lots of quarterbacks don't their office is the quarterback room. He's had his own office where he has people that work for him and with him that that's where they hang out. They don't go to the locker room. They don't go to the player areas. They're not hanging out in the lunchroom. They grab their food, but Jake heaps is his personal quarterbacks coach. He's in the building every day. He's got a nutritionist in the building. He's got a stretcher in the building. And while that's all well and good, I think he missed the point of, we know that you're working hard. Peyton Manning worked hard. John Elway worked hard. But they also were, quote, unquote, one of the guys. And they were in the locker room they needed to be. And for Russ, I, I think that he's tried to be in there a little more. And maybe it was coincidence that he's playing Uno when we're in there the other day when, when the media is allowed to be in the locker room. But I've talked to defensive players, so they don't even know him. It's not that they don't like him one way or the other. They're like, we just don't really know the guy. He's off in his office. He's doing his other stuff, and that's fine but it doesn't give us a chance to really get to know him. You know, there was a, a story that I, I like to tell about the, uh, the the Royals from 2014 and 2015 when they won the world championship. And it was, what's the importance of having your players like each other? And and I remember somebody in the organization, and, and the God's honest truth is I can't remember who told the story, but I remember the story, and you will as soon as I tell it. I said, what's the importance of having these guys like each other? Does it matter? And they go, yeah, because when there's a ground ball – you're going to give a little bit more effort if you're boys with the guy on the mound and you're friends with the guy than if you're not, right? You're, yeah, you may pull up. I'm not risking myself. I don't want to let that guy down. Right, but if that's your boy on the mound, I don't want to let that guy down. And so it's important to have that camaraderie, right? I, I think that's important no matter where you work. I mean, there are times, Josh, where I, I think about, like, maybe I'll just uh, maybe I'll just move to, uh, to Hawaii and do the show via Zoom. And then I'm like... No, I'd be letting B-Dub and Josh down. I'm not going to do something like that. That's not the right way to do it, right? And I think that's kind of where they are with Russell Wilson right now. Like, he's on the team, but is he truly one of them? Are you truly in this with us? And if it doesn't appear that you're with in it with us, 
you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to be honest here. I'm taking off the last quarter. I'm not going balls to the wall because of because I don't like you, and I'm not going to go out there and go out there and play for you when you won't even go out there and come hang out with us in the locker room and get to know us. I mean, right there, it's not that he has the office. The telling thing that that Brandon said there to me is the fact that it's not like we don't like him. We don't know him. It's December. He's been in that building since probably mid-March when the trade was made. And you've had training camp. You've had OTAs. You've had mini camps. You've had all of this time to get to know guys. And you still don't know the guys on the defensive side of the ball. What's their incentive to go out there and risk it all for you? The answer is none. And that's why it's important to develop that camaraderie and care about the people that you work with and try to get people to care about the people that you work with because it's going to be better. It's going to be a better situation. And right now out in Denver, he's the alleged quarterback and leader of that team, but he doesn't know most of the people that play with him and are trying to accomplish the same goals. And they're like, screw this, man. I ain't yeah. giving it all for this guy. Well, I mean, like, like there was some, the Tom Brady stories that came out a number of years ago in New England where he had his, his people in the building with him. And that became a bone of contention with, with uh, with the coach, I think at some point in time, like your your TB12 guys flying with us, you have your people in there, but mm-hmm. it wasn't from day one either. And I don't like ever that, remember like, hearing it from players were like, I don't know that, Tom like, Brady. That like that like built up over time. It wasn't like he walked in there day one and said, I need an office for my people. Right. Um, that's just not a way, a great way to ingratiate yourself to a locker room. Look, Patrick Mahomes has people. He's got a quarterback guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a trainer. I. They don't have an office at, at Arrowhead. I don't know that they're welcome to come into Arrowhead. You know what I mean? Like, like They can say hi or something. Patrick's but. in the locker room with everybody. He's one of the guys. Right. Even the defensive players, they've been saying that for a while like, now. Patrick's like one of the guys. He's, he's all over the place. He hangs out with everybody, you know? So it's just like, wow, you're going to do this from day one? Like, I would just feel like if I was a teammate of his, I'm like, well, I got to go up and schedule an appointment and get into his office. Right. Like, you're off doing your own little thing. That's weird. It is. It's weird, and it and it, and it creates resentment, animosity right? and resentment. I yeah. would think. Yeah. I mean, you, you've all been in an office, no matter where you work, where somebody gets more privileges than you, or people can operate on their own schedule or do whatever it is that they want, and you're there busting at nine to five. And you're like, why does this guy get the opportunity to do everything different than everybody else? It ticks you off. It creates animosity. It doesn't create a good work environment when you have people that abuse the system. And Russell Wilson's like that guy or gal at your office that is abusing the system and, and is getting him, away with it. They let him get away with and it. And they let him get away with it. And it's not like he's bringing in big sales figures either. It's no, not like no, he's no. crushing it in yeah. his job. And you're like, well, at least he's doing what he needs to be doing and he's crushing it. We can look the other way. He hasn't Russell developed some Will- kind of food preservative or something. Right. Yeah, some additive. himself to the uh, to the to the higher up. That's exactly right. And, and so Russell Wilson is the ultimate like he's doing his own thing and the results aren't there. So why does this guy get to do his own thing when the results on Sunday are complete and total garbage? Thank God for Patrick Mahomes. That's all I'm going to keep saying. Every time we come up with a Russell Wilson story, I come back to the same thing. I'm like, thank God for Patrick Mahomes. Imagine being in an office like that where people could operate on their own rules and do whatever it is that they wanted to do and the animosity that that creates for everybody else inside that building. That's what's going on in Denver right now. It just happens to be it's the quarterback and he's supposed to be the leader and he's supposed to control all this and everything starts and ends with him and he has not got off to a good start Even like the... The prima donna baseball player we you know you may have seen from time to time yeah they might have like a a couple extra lockers in the corner mm-hmm. they're still in the room Salvi doesn't have an office at Kaufman Stadium you know I mean? they're right? still in the, they're yeah. still in the room right 
They're still in with the, with the guys. Like, Haas never had an office out there at Kauffman Stadium where you had to, like, schedule an appointment. It's weird. I'm like, does, does Nathaniel Hackett have to go knock on the door? Does Can't you do that on your own time? What messages are those people sending to him, too? Yeah. Those are his people in the building. And then how do you get out of it? Hey, if, Mr. Wilson! If you're the Broncos, how do you get out of it? Say Nathaniel Hackett gets fired this year. New coach comes in. Right. How do you get out of going, this isn't a good idea. we got to close this office. you got to go hang out with everybody else, and these two guys aren't welcome. I, I look, three I, people I, aren't welcome. And I know, like, being like, an NFL be tough, head coach is a dream job. That would be a tough spot to be in because you've let Russell do this. It's like almost like he's got the grandfather clause for the next coach. Right. I, if, look, if I'm, if I'm an incoming coach out there in Denver and it looks like they are going to make that decision and, and move on from Nathaniel Hackett, who wants to take that job knowing that Russell Wilson is their quarterback? And it's got his own rules. And he's got his own rules, and this is the way it's been and and whatnot. They may need to keep Nathaniel Hackett because everybody else is going to look at that job and go, yeah, I'll take the Denver Bronco job. Great organization, story, history. And the first thing I do is redecorate that office. Uh, I'm not not coaching this guy. Put somebody else's name tag on the outside of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not coaching this guy. And it needs the Denver Broncos, if they're going to keep Russell Wilson, they need somebody like an Andy Reid to come in. But those guys don't exist. They're very few and far between. So... Is the next guy going to be a, a neophyte head coach that's going to acquiesce to Russell Wilson and not show the stones to run an organization the right way? Or do you keep Nathaniel Hackett in place? I, I, I mean, I think what they've got going on right now is the perfect storm of terribleness because you've got a young coach in his first year that has got perfect gotten, storm of suckitude. Yeah, was the quote from, that, that, from that ESPN guy. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah, perfect storm of suckitude. Yes, but what you've got right now is a coach that's been bulldozed by Russell Wilson. He's running the show the way he wants. Since he came in, there's been a new owner that's taken over. There's probably going to be a new coach. How are they going to handle this Russell Wilson situation? Because if I'm a new coach coming in, I don't want that guy on my team. Some people are energy givers and energy takers. Russell Wilson has sucked every bit of en- then, energy out of the state of Colorado. Say you're the new coach and you come in and go, you're not doing this. Whatever this was set up before, we're not doing this. You're going to be one of the guys. Right. Go down there Get down there in the locker room. How's that going to go over then, too? Yeah. It's, it's, it's such How's a bad situation. That? How's he going to handle that? Maybe he'll quit. I, 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 would, I would treat him like the guy at office space where you send him down to the boiler room, you give him his stapler, and you make him sit in a closet, right? Milton, that's exactly how I would treat Russell Wilson. I would do everything to make his life difficult if I was the new head coach out in Denver. I would make it. I would puncture his tires. I would take away his parking spot. I would have his car towed. Like, I would do everything to make life miserable for that guy, that organization, to where he just retires and walks away. That's what you have to do if you're the new coach of the Denver Broncos. Got to run him out. Got to run him out. I'm going to make life miserable for this guy. No wow. food in the building, like 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 Rachel Phelps. Make him drive on a bus. No hot tub. All of this kind of stuff. That's the only way to get rid of Russell Wilson is to take everything away from him and and absolutely humiliate him in front of everybody. Kill his Wi-Fi.